Welcome to the Your Destiny Podcast. Okay, so um, just want to do a bit of um, recapping, um, and I'll make no apology for the fact that I find myself um, focusing again on verses that I've uh, shared with you before. Um, Now, that could be for my benefit, <laughs> could be for your benefit, could be for everybody's benefit. Um, but I think, I just want to, and I think I've said this in previous weeks, over the course of the five months that you're here, obviously, we have one source document, don't we? Right? We just, hi, Sarah. You missed some awesome worship from Chris, but so we um, obviously everybody who comes and teaches uh, uses the same reference book, and there are some well-known verses in there that will get looked at time and time again. So I just want to ask you to, every time somebody says, oh, I'm going to talk about this verse, and you think, oh, not again, don't think that. Think, oh, wow, I'm really, really excited. Um, Because what's your favorite meal? Uh, Salad. I like salad. Okay. I could have asked this in a really depressive way. You know, you know when you're on death row and you, you get given the choice of your last meal? No, we won't do that. What would it be? <laughs> no. Okay, right. Okay, so what's your favorite meal? Okay, that, that's enough. What's your favorite meal? <laughs> You just love everything, okay. There's no right and wrong answer. Favourite meal, don't think about it, just tell me. Right, okay. Is that, what, what's the main ingredient for my benefit? All oh, right, okay. Sounds great. Okay, I must try it sometimes. John? Thai green curry. This is John, by the way. Say, if everybody doesn't know John, this is John. Chicken and... Cheese. Wow. Rebecca? Who? A Malaysian dish. Okay, right. You don't, dish? What? Right, you don't eat the dish. <laughs> and donuts. Okay. Okay. Um, steak and chips. So, why am I asking you that question? Do you ever... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you ever get bored of eating it? Well, I don't have it enough. No, okay. Right. So, I want you, If the, the reason I say that is to say this. If somebody comes along and starts talking about a very familiar verse, treat it as you, and okay, let me ask you one other question. Every time you eat your favorite food, does it taste the same or slightly different from the last time you had it? Yeah. 
just as good. But it's not, you know, it's like it's not like exactly the same, is it? It's always a, it's always a new experience. Okay, um, Colin. Well, it's probably p- cooked by some someone else. You know, you you can go you go different different restaurant, order the same thing. Um, the point the point I'm making is, you never get tired of eating your favourite food. Okay, I want you to never get tired of your favourite verse. All right, or a familiar verse, because we're going to look at some verses this morning that are probably, hopefully, very 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 familiar to you. Okay. But they wa- I want them to be fresh today. Okay? Fresh today. So, you know, we talked last week about the concept of... Um, well, actually, no. At the risk of ruining everything, we'll do this first. So we're going to play Hangman. Sorry, Sarah, you can't really see. Okay. Do you want to pick a letter? A, okay. You're the ground. Okay, pick another letter. A letter, you know. Who? E. Oh. B. This probably isn't going to take very long. N. Oh, oh, we're off. L. We're not taking guesses. Otherwise, otherwise, not not everybody's going to get a turn. I, oh, you, you're humouring me really well here. No, no, no. Give it a wait, wait, letter. V, V, D. Z X Z X Q. <laughs> no, sorry. Because I talked last week about the word beloved and how um, it's a strange word that we don't really use very much in English. It's just sort of really quite a, quite an odd word. But I just want to. Huh, Put a little pause in there, because I'm going to talk this morning about what it means to be loved. Um, and you know, last week, and again, I don't know whether you've you've done your homework, but I I invited you to pray that prayer, five words, Abba, I belong to you. And I don't know whether you've you've enjoyed praying that prayer. Um, but it is a really great prayer to pray. In fact, why don't we do it now? Come on, let's assume the position. Palms up. We're just going to say it together. Abba, I belong to you. Let's say it again. Abba, I belong to you. Put the emphasis on belong this time. Abba, I belong to 
you. Put the emphasis on you. Abba, I belong to you. We thank you, God, that that's true. It's always been true. It won't be. It won't become true when we decide it's true. It's true whether we want it to be or not. It's just true. <laughs> so, I want you. I want. I want you to give yourself permission to be loved. Okay. Talked to you last week. Um, about that verse in Song of Songs where, where if we assume that the bridegroom is representing God, you know, his desire is for you. And I talked to you about, you know, my desire for Sharon, Sharon's desire for me and how that's grown over 37 years of marriage. And when you are in a relationship that works on that basis the the legal obey you know do the right thing don't do the right thing doesn't really come into it um because the nature of the relationship is just completely different so uh i just want to look at um some verses going to start with this one in john chapter 15 And again, I, I, I mentioned to you before about, I think it was uh, on week one, um, about being, you know, because uh, I've always been six foot, when it came to picking football teams, I always got picked first because they wanted somebody to play in goals. So I never had a problem with not being the one that, being the one that never got picked, <laughs> but I got picked for a reason which wasn't always fun but anyway this idea of being chosen and you know Jesus in John chapter 15 says quite an extraordinary thing you have not chosen me but I have chosen you and the problem is that you know you go you 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 go on and read the rest of that verse, and appointed you uh, that you may bear fruit and keep bearing fruit. And, and then it becomes a very heavy verse about, oh, am I bearing fruit? Has Jesus really picked me? If I really knew he'd picked me, I would be able to see the fruit and, and just forget the fruit. Okay. We... Um, I'm, I'm no, I'm no horticulturalist, okay. Uh, but we decided we wanted a fruit tree in the garden, and I don't know whether it was the guy in the shop or, or but somebody said, "You can't just buy one. You've got to buy two. I was like, "Why? I, I don't want two. <laughs> I don't want one. But apparently, if you only have one, you won't get any fruit." And it's, I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you plant two, and I hope this isn't appropriate, but it's like they love each other, right? And get, you know, I don't know, whatever happens, 
And because there's two of them, you get fruit. And you wouldn't get fruit if you only had one. This is what they told me. I'm thinking, oh, interesting. (laughs) I hope not. There you go, you see? Cross-pollination, right? In other words, the trees need each other, right? And they feed each other. And at the risk of being very inappropriate, they make love to one another. Right? They connect, don't they? And you get fruit. Now, it's the time of year, and, and this year, we've got loads of lovely apple blossom. It's just coming out. So I'm really confident that we're going to get loads of lovely apples. And I know this is a really stupid thing to say, but I'm sure the tree is not stood there in the garden going, Oh, I hope I produce good apples for Andy this year. I hope I produce really good apples for Andy. He'll be so disappointed in me if I don't produce good apples for him. Just being a tree. Doing what trees do. And one of the things trees do, apple trees do, is produce apples. When there's two of them. Okay, so I'm saying that to say this. Don't worry about the second half of that verse in John 15, 16, about the fruit you're going to produce, right? If you focus on the fact that he has chosen you and, ex- and, and, and exhaust yourself unpacking what that means... The God, the creator of creation, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, except there is no beginning and there is no end. The one who reigns supreme, right, who holds it all together, chose me. Chose you. And you need to be able to say, he chose me. Right? And I talked to you, didn't I, didn't I about uh, Kate Middleton becoming the Duchess of Cambridge because she accepted the fact that William had chosen her. And it transformed her world. And she is now a royal. And the product of their intimacy will be royal. Forever changed from one kingdom almost to another kingdom if i could use that term because (laughs) our daughter bless her when when william proposed to her i think her her answer was i guess so and he said will you marry me i guess so (laughs) so She chose to accept, right? And the best thing you can do is choose to accept, right? As we so powerfully have a picture here. (laughs) The ring says it all, right? The ring says it all. He's chosen you. And I just throwing a few verses out as we as we go along here there's a verse in proverbs uh, 23 
and verse 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? So it's really, really important what you think about, what you dwell on, what you meditate on. I was talking to um, uh, friends of ours last night in Bulgaria, Valentin and Vanya, and he was saying um, how so many of the people uh, in his church and, you know, in, in the church in Bulgaria dwell on the fact that they think of themselves as forgiven sinners. And uh, he, he says, it's just so frustrating to me because I'm trying to get them to think differently. <laughs> it's because it's true, right? You are a forgiven sinner, right? In Jesus. We all believe that, yeah? Yes. Vote for that one, right? Okay. But on a good day, if you're dwelling on that phrase, you'll spend more time in the forgiven camp. And on a bad day, you'll spend more time in the sinner camp. But you've not got a lot of room to manoeuvre when the two words that you're meditating on are forgiven sinner, right? And it doesn't take much to derail you into thinking more about the sinning bit, okay? And whilst, yes, you are a forgiven sinner, you are so much more than that, you know. And I would hate it if, you know, you dwelt on that phrase at all. Um, I would much rather encourage you to dwell on something like Ephesians 2.10, which we looked at previously and we will look at again today. Um, Because Romans 12.2, as you probably know, says, you know, the worship that God wants, my paraphrase, is that you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, think some new stuff. Okay. And, and the challenge I want to put out to you is you really know what's going on deep, deep down inside. If you can capture that moment when you, you can identify what you're thinking about, which isn't what you decided to think about, if that makes sense. Because we can all, we can, yes, I know the right thing is to think right, this, 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 you know. Jesus, one died for all, therefore all died. So, you know, um, and, and we can quote all the verses about righteousness. But until it becomes something that we think about without thinking about it, do you, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's instinctive. It's, you realize then that it's, it's sort of made a difference uh, to, you know, deep, deep, deep inside. It's like your subconscious... Because then that's what you're dwelling on when you're not dwelling on anything. You know? When you're sort of, oh, I don't know what's going on. But I do know, without a doubt, how good God is. How much his desire is for me. Right? 
So Song of Songs 7, 7, 10. Um, I am my beloved, he is mine. His desire is for you. Right? His desire is for you. We talked about that last week, didn't we? So just picking up on that, Romans 12, because again, a bit like that John 15 verse, if you look at Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, to the world, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideas and new, new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. So the purpose of mind transformation is to discover what God's will for me is. That's quite pressured, that, isn't it? Like, ah! So I'm measuring how well my mind is transformed by how much I feel I've discovered what God's will for for me is. What's God's plan? What's God's desire? Because if I do that, then I know he loves me, so I'd better not do anything else. But I don't know what it is! Or I thought it was this, but I really hate the idea of doing that. I just want to let you off the hook, okay? God's will for you, God's plan for your life is that you would discover what it is to be loved by him. That's it. I wish it were more complicated. I wish I could give you a a checklist of 10 things to go away and practice, but I can't. Okay? So point number one, be loved. Point number two, be loved. Point number 568, be loved. Right? So one point sermon. Be loved. Allow yourself to be loved. I don't know. Interesting, isn't it? The old English people made it one, connected it. I mean, it's nice, isn't it? Beloved. Does it translate into German? Do you have a German word? One word rather than... No, if you... We have a word in English which is be loved. Beloved, but we we put a little accent on the E at the end. Yeah? It's like really precious, really special, beloved, right? Okay, great. So the challenge then to us is, how do we go about letting ourselves be loved? And how do we deal with all all the reasons that we get bombarded with as to why God wouldn't 
love us or couldn't love us or shouldn't love us or won't love us or whatever that might be. And I'm, I'm just going to look at the story of, well, we're going to look at one story, possibly two stories, two, two characters in the Bible. But before we do that, if this works, we're going to walk through a little passage TV is on. Should have a red light though, shouldn't we? Where's Colin when you need him? How do you turn the telly on? It's on the right. Would never be on the left, would it? Why did they put it round the back where you can't see it? Ah, here we go. Andy, stop whinging about the technology. Okay, that PC. So we're going to look at this verse, all right? These verses from Ephesians. Now, if you can, pretend you've never seen these verses before. This is the first time in your life that anybody has ever told you this, right? But. So, trouble is, it's bad English, isn't it? You shouldn't start. I, I, I seem to remember from English grammar. You shouldn't start a sentence with "but." Is that? Did anybody else get taught that? Okay. So maybe we ought to look at verse three. See what verse three was. Of Ephesians two. Let's see what that. This is the amplified. Okay. So, just for your benefit, the first three verses, um, uh, Paul is talking about how life used to be. Okay. You once walked in sin. You conform to the pattern of this world and you were doing all sorts of stuff. You were the sons of disobedience. You were rebellious. You were da 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 all that. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the cravings dictated by our dark imaginings. Okay, so he's painting, he's painting a picture of how black it was. And then he comes in with the but. All right. Love that idea. You know, it's all la da da da. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Here's God. But God, so rich is He in His mercy. Right. Because of, and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, I've put the word me in. Right? You see, I think, just camp there for a second. Because this is a verse about desire, right? This is a verse about God doing stuff because he wanted to, not because he had to. Now that, in itself, is huge because 
most of us stick around a long time in that God did what he did because he had to. He had to, right? Now, the problem with that is, it's like God's got this huge problem that he's got, he's got to fix, okay? So he does you this massive favor, right? He does you. Now, it's great when people do, you know, like, I need a lift to wherever, yeah? Colin is coming to the, you know, the um, service leaders uh, meeting tonight. And he asked me earlier on, can you do me a favor? I need a lift, right? Yeah, sure, Colin, right? God, can you do me a favor? I'm wallowing dead in my sins. Right? It didn't happen, did it? It didn't happen like that. But often we get, we get caught in the lie that that's how it happened. And God went, oh, all right then. <laughs> you know, seeing as you've asked. <laughs> right? God, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved you, Phil, John, Nicholas. It was his idea, right? It was his idea and he did it because he wanted to. See, because when you're in that doing stuff because you have to, that's like a legal framework, isn't it? It's like there's a problem here that needs to be fixed. Let's have a... Right? Legal, 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 right? But that's not where God is here. Right? God decided to do something because he loved me so much. And he could. And he wanted to. Right? And it's just a, it's a massive shift. Right? When you relate to God on that basis, rather than coming to God thinking, Oh, well, God had to, you know, send Jesus to die uh, in order to fix my sin problem, right? You'll forever feel indebted to God. Like, you owe God this, like, huge debt of gratitude. Um, because, oh, it's just, so, and it's so heavy. And then you spend your life trying to repay him. For this incredible thing that he's done for you. Whereas. What he wants to happen. Is. For you. To be free. To love him. With the same freedom. That he loves you. 
He just loves you because he can, because he wants to. Right? Does whatever's necessary to give you the opportunity to love him. He satisfied that great and wonderful intense love. Right? Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him, for it's by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved. Delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And so it goes on. Raised us up together with him, made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ. (laughs) And that will get unpacked time and time again, what it means to be in Christ. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable that's limitless and surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favour in his kindness and goodness of heart toward me in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's important that you are able to read that verse and turn the, the us into a me. Okay, just do that. I give you permission, right? You've got to make it personal because as long as it's plural, us, right, right, we'll do the, we'll do the group thing, right? We'll do the us and then the old habit will kick in and we'll look around the group and we'll see the reasons why God would do it for Sarah, right? God would do it for, God would do it, go, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get to me. And we can't come up with a reason why God would do it for me. And we do the whole self-exclusion thing, right? As long as there's us, there can be them and me, right? So you need to get past us to me, all right? He did it. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable riches of his free grace Right? His kindness and goodness of heart towards me. Right? Because this gospel thing only works when I know it's mine. I can't live on yours. (laughs) Right? I need mine. Right? I need to know that I'm the one that's raised up, right? Seated with him by virtue of my being one with him. Me, me. And you think, gosh, this is very self-centered. Okay, well, it needs to be, right? It needs to be because, I'll, I'll give you the answer to that phrase in a minute. It is by free grace God's unmerited favour, that I am saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through my faith. 
And this salvation is not of yourselves, your own doing. It came not through your own striving. It is a gift of God. It was a gift. God did, right, okay. It's my birthday on December the 6th. I'm going to let you into it. I'm going to give you some information now. You have to give me a gift. Oh, how does that feel now? Does that feel like something you want to do? No, because I've just told you you have to. So it ain't going to be a gift, is it? It's not going to be a gift. You might call it a gift, but whatever it is you're going to give me, because you have to give it, it's not a gift. Right? You feel obliged, or you feel you've got to obey, or, you know, like, because God's told you. Right? Right? It's not a gift. It's really important. It's really important that you, you get used to this sort of language. Because our default language is God tells us things and we must obey him. It's the least we can do because Jesus did so much for me. Right? And we get into this big thing of I've got to obey him. So I've got to know what it is he wants me to do. Ah! I can't hear God. You know, and then it all comes down to can I hear God? Was that God? Right? And it's just like, Stress. It's like, it's not worth it. You can hear God. He sounds just like you, to you, right? Because he's in there and you're in him and he's in you. And it doesn't make sense, but it's not supposed to make sense. If it made sense, it wouldn't be God. If we could understand it, if you get to the point where you can understand things, you have my permission to be worried, okay, because you've probably lost the mystery of you and God, right? Oh, I got this nailed now, right? You're doing the, at that point, you're doing the whole self-righteous thing, right? Like, oh, I'm fine, you know. Now, there's a place of being in communion with God, right, which is very peaceful, but we still need to know that it's us, it's us and him. <laughs> um, so, just going back to that gift, right? He gave you a gift because he wanted to. And he wants you to give him a gift because you want to. Allow yourself to be loved and love him because you want to, not because you've got to. Not because you're trying to pay him back. Love him because you want to love him. Right? Don't love him because you have to love him. It's like, what sort of love is that? Right? It's a gift of God. Just, it's so, it's so important. Okay? Not because of works. Not the fulfilment of the law's demands, lest we, we should boast. All right, there you go. There's the list. There's the do, 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 do. Don't, 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 don't. Ten out of ten. I'm fine. Right? No. 
You can't, you can't do it yourself. And then we come back to that verse that we've looked at before. We are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Now, if you think like that, health, you know, get, get, get that sort of healthy thinking going, um, you'll, you'll hopefully realise fairly soon how I didn't mean to write that, it's so small. How significant you are to him. And I'm just going to spend the last few minutes talking about significance. Because God wants you to live significant. Now, that is, not, that is not designed in any way to put any pressure on any of you, right? I don't want you to think, oh, oh he's telling me now I've got to find some incredible ministry to, like, <sighs> go to the ends of the earth. You know, like Rachel was saying on Sunday, you know, I want to be a missionary, right? And somehow... You're only significant if you've got some incredible story about how much you've sacrificed for God and, you know, you've whatever. Now, as wonderful as those things are, they don't count towards your significance, okay? Because that's not how God works. If it were down to, you know, what you did, your activity... God would be, you know, measuring his relationship with you in a, a very relative way, wouldn't he? He'd be like, oh, well, Phil, Phil does the Chester Tribe, but Chris is just an intern. <laughs> um, so, you know, do you know, we do that. We do that to ourselves. We do that. I, well, I'm sorry. I have done that to myself. And like, you know, you oh God, why can't I be Heidi Baker? Right? Because your name's Rachel Major. All right? But we do that. And, and we, we look at these people who we think, oh, they're incredibly significant. Right? And, and then it gets even worse because preachers come along like I'm about to and they go, they go, right, I'm now going to talk to you about a really significant character from the Bible. And you start thinking, oh, God, yeah, they're really significant, aren't they? They were so significant, they got their life story in the book. Right? I would never get my life story in the book. If God were writing the Bible now, John Fletcher wouldn't feature in it. You know, Andy Britton's not done anything worthy of being recorded right and we're measuring aren't we we're like we're back into that like ah right you are significant because you are okay 
It's part of your identity, not your activity. Right? God says you are significant. He sent Jesus to die for you to satisfy his intense love for you. Right? To make it possible for you to love him. That makes that alone makes you significant. Right? That alone makes you significant. So let's just I want to look at a story which is just in a way too familiar, all right? But you're going to pretend now you've never heard this story before, all right? You live out in the jungle somewhere, and I've just turned up. I'm going to tell you a story, right? <laughs> okay? And a um, long time ago, in the Middle East, right? So in a, in a country called Israel, um, there was a young Jewish girl, right? Probably 12 or 13. And she's, um, she's at home one night, in bed, sleep, just, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, something really, really, really strange happens. Really strange. Like, unbelievably, like, weird. Okay. She gets the impression that there's this... Re- it's the middle of the night, but it's not dark. <laughs> all of a sudden, the room has got very light. And she's, she's off coming to... Right from her sleep. And she realizes that the light actually isn't coming through the window. The light is in the room. Okay. Now imagine you are that 12-year-old girl. Right? And you're lying on your bed. Okay. And, you know, all of a sudden, you are awakened by this presence that is in the room, right? This intense light, okay? And you're not quite sure if you can see a shape because you're like, is anybody feeling happy at this point? Are you you feeling a bit scared? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'd be a little bit scared. You know, it's not it's not a sort of thing that anybody's ever told me might happen when I go to bed. <laughs> oh, by the way, if in the middle of the night this really bright light appears in the corner of the room, don't panic. It's just an angel. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's an angel? Okay, right? Because even in their culture, it wasn't common. For angels to appear in the middle of the night to 13-year-old girls. Okay, there's not that many stories written in the book of angels appearing to 13-year-old girls, right? And I just want you to get into the, right? You're there, you're in, in your bed, and you're like, ah. 
And then this light talks to you. It's just a bit freaky, isn't it? Right? Because we read this sanitized story of the angel appearing to Mary and think, oh, that was really nice. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't, don't, don't let them see you, don't let them see you scared, don't let them see you scared. <laughs> Am I alive? Am I dead? What is going on? Right? But we read it now, you see, in this book, and we think, oh, that's really nice. That's really, you know, this is how Jesus, you know, came to earth. Oh, how cute. You know, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, may your wish be granted. Not wish. Sorry? What did you say? It will be. Okay. So this young girl, by the way, like, like you know, was the tradition um, in, in uh, Israel at the time. She is engaged, right? So the husband has been, has been sorted, right? About 12 or 13. Yeah. Okay. So we're just... We're just finding the right, the right verses. Just give me one second. We'll be there in in a moment. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. So Luke chapter 1 and verse 27. Angel Gabriel sent from sent from God to a town in Galilee named Nazareth to a girl never having been married and a virgin engaged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came and he says to her, and it's, it's flowery language, Hail, O favoured one. Now we should, get, we should get you to say this. Come. Hail, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. What? Okay. Question. Question. Why did the angel say those words to her? Hail, O favoured one. Why? Yeah. Sorry? To tell her who she is. 
Sorry? It's just a light. Hello! <laughs> All right. Get your attention. What did you say? Tell her who she is. All right. Oh, favoured one. You don't say that if you're not loved. All right. So, you might feel I'm labouring the point, but if I am, I do so for a reason. See, because the problem we have here is we know the rest of the story... And then what we do is we then go back and interpret this verse in the light of what happens, we know happened subsequently, right? So because we know that she becomes the mother of Jesus, oh, well, obviously, that's why the angel came and said, favoured, right? Obviously. But at that moment, when you are that, 30, that, that teenager in that bed and God comes to you and says, you are favoured. You're one of my favourites. I've chosen you, right? What have you done to deserve that? Because it's not about you deserving, you being the right, being in the right place at the right time, being born to the right mother and father, like as if you had any saying that, you know, like God's got the big family tree out because you know He knows. He, you, you, right, okay, so you, you've got you've got Adam, and you know you get to David, and then you get and then you get to Joseph and Mary. And, and uh, the angels are watching from heaven. You know, like they're, they're like, ah, can we go yet? Can we go yet? Can we go yet? No, 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 no. We haven't got to this point on the family tree. We get to this point on the family tree. Oh, you can go now. Whoosh. And the you know, angel Gabriel, out of heaven at just the right time and turns up at 34 Gatley Road tomorrow night in your bedroom. And then gets back to heaven and his mobile rings. Gabe, get in here. And it's God on the phone. He's thinking, oh, no. So Gabriel, you know, goes to the throne room. <laughs> okay, God. He said, you weren't listening. And Gabriel says, what do you mean you weren't? I wasn't listening. I said, 32 Galley Road. <laughs> It doesn't happen, okay? It doesn't happen. You are favoured. Right? This is an example of God showing the world how he loves us. Now, it's a really interesting story because... We're just gonna we're just gonna walk down this road for a second, all right. What he tells her is about to happen is not good news. 
Right? He says it is, and I'm, you know, but forgive me. You are that 13-year-old female teenager engaged to be married to Joseph, and this apparition has just appeared in your bedroom, claimed to be from God, and told you, actually, you're going to have somebody else's baby. <laughs> so is that good news? Weird at best, at worst, you know, and, and in between, you know, like, we're going to be outcasts, we're going to be like, this is just going to not go well, we could get stoned, right? Okay, now, fast forward to the following morning, the angel has left, and you've managed to get a bit of sleep, you now have to go and tell your dad... What happened last night? <laughs> right? <laughs> and at this point, all the men are breathing easy. Because it's like, <laughs> glad I'm not a woman. Right? It wasn't good news. Uh, Dad, I need to tell you, something happened last night. This thing appeared in my room. I think it was an angel. Said his name was, you know, he'd come from God. And he's told me some weird stuff that he says is going to happen. You know, just imagine it's being portrayed on TV in the 21st century. What, what, what is going on there? Now, why, why, am, I making, why am I making that point? We know the end of the story, you see, right? And... It's wonderful Jesus is born and, and all that. Um, and Mary goes through life as the one chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. And highly favoured. Sometimes you might feel God says something to you. And it doesn't feel like good news. Okay? Because in your head, you can work out a million things that are going to happen further up the road, and none of them are going to be good based on this thing that you feel God's told you. Okay? And you might be filled with all sorts of negative emotions and... But I want you to... I want you to look at that story of Mary, right? Whose response was, okay, God. I choose to believe what you're saying about me and what you're telling me. And it's... She's going to have a bit. Absolutely. So... I find that an incredibly uh, encouraging story when I'm faced with challenging situations and moments when uh, I'm not quite sure what's happening here, God, right? But it's at those moments when if you have been dwelling on the truth about you, 
which is God has satisfied his intense desire and love for you by sending Jesus so that you can be connected. And that's what you think about when you're not thinking, right? Those are the things through which you deal with the, um, eh, I'm not sure about this, God. Okay, when you, when you can say, well, God, you've chosen me. I am significant. Okay, so if you're saying this, then that's okay, right? That's, you're going you're gonna to do whatever's necessary to make it happen. And I'm going to relax in the fact that you've chosen me and you love me. And I'm going to continue to let myself be loved by you. All right? Now I don't want to I don't want to leave you thinking you know Mary was significant because of what she did right? Mary was significant full stop you are significant to God you are significant right you're very special to God he loves you because he wants to love you not because he's got to love you all right and that's all there is to it. Okay? That's all there is to it. You are so special. So, so special. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much. for our special place in your heart. Thank you that we are your chosen ones. We are significant. And it's not based on what we do, it's based on who we are. And I pray that you would help us allow that truth to um, penetrate deeper into our spirits. That we might live from that place of significance. That we might enjoy the reality that you see us as significant, important, highly valued, precious. Irreplaceable and unique. God, I pray that you'd, you'd release more courage to us to dare to believe these truths about who we are. 
and allow them to transform the way we think. And as a result of that transformed thinking, the way we live. So thank you, God, for revelation that comes to us through your Spirit. We just bless you for the truth that we have just reminded ourselves of again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.